I'm excited to be with you today, not only those of you who are here in the room, but particularly those who are joining us online. I pray that this is a, an uplifting and uh, inspiring morning of worship for us all. We're obviously, as uh, Mary has teased you up and as Clay has prepared us, we're looking at the Samson story today. You know, the, the Sam, Samson story, when you boil it down, is a story about a broken and flawed man who despite his flaws and his foibles, God used him. Today, if you feel imperfect, if you feel like you are a broken and or flawed person, this is a story for you and I hope that God uses it to talk with you about your life. We're in this series of messages that we've been following since the beginning of the year, and we're going to take it through until uh, about Thanksgiving time. We're calling it Quest. We're reading and thinking and preaching and studying our way through the entire scope of God's Scripture, not reading every word of every verse, but getting the arc of God's story from all Scripture. We began by looking in Genesis at promise and then segued into the exodus and freedom, and we've now moved into the section that we call home, where it is the people of God moving into what God told them would be their home claiming what would be the pro was the promised land and what was intended to be the promised land for them you know i think that when we read the bible and particularly if you read the book of judges we probably tend to read it as a consistent flow from event to event to event to event to event it's like how many of you watch series on netflix you stream something with netflix or something else you know we tend to think that the Bible flows like a Netflix streaming series that the, the next show, the next uh, segment you're going to watch follows immediately on from what you saw five minutes ago. It's like last night. We watched, what did we watch? Two or three episodes of a series that we're watching right now. We're not binge watching it, but we tend to read the Bible almost as if it is binge watching. We tend to forget that the Samson story, what we're looking, which we're looking at today, begins about 350 years after the death of Joshua. You'll remember that Moses led the people through the Exodus, wandering in the wilderness right up to the banks of the Jordan River. But it was Joshua who led them through the Jordan River and led them in the conquest of Canaan to enter into and claim what they knew to be the promised land. 350 years have passed. The people of Israel did not completely displace the Canaanites as God invited, instructed, commanded them to do. Some of them stayed around, and so they are consist consistently dealing with conflict with the peoples around them. That's where we pick up the Samson story. Now, in, I think it was 1989, Stephen Covey came out with that landmark work, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the seven habits that Covey wrote about is called Begin with the End in Mind. So I want to begin the sermon, the story of Samson, with looking at the end of his story. It begins, or it ends in chapter 16, 
Uh, we pick up the story at the 23rd verse. If you've got your Quest Bible that we provided for you, grab it. If not, grab one of the pew Bibles out of the racks in front of you. Let's listen along, follow along as we look at the Samson story. Now, the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, that is Samson, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, think, think the Atlanta Greek festival. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. Brute acts of strength. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand. Now, you have to understand that when he was subdued, the Philistines gouged out his eyes. So he's blind. He can't see. So he says to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so I may lean against them. Now, the temple crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and, and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them. His right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he crushed with all his might. Down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus Samson killed many more when he died than while he lived. Amen. May the same Holy Spirit who inspired the writing and preservation of these words inspire them for our understanding as well. This is the end of the Samson story, but Samson's story spans about four chapters in the book of Judges. And his story can really be broken down into three simple parts. One is his birth, which we read about in the 13th chapter. Uh, the second is his marriage and, and what surrounded that, which is in the 14th and 15th chapters of the book of Judges. And the last is the part that you and I most think of when we think of Samson, and that is the Samson and Delilah story. Some of you are old enough to remember the old, old movie, Samson and Delilah, which was, you know, right in the vein of the Cecil B. DeMille movies and all the Hollywood blockbusters of the day. There's actually, going back to Netflix, there's actually a pretty good um, biblically accurate account of the Samson story on Netflix right now. So if you need to kill two hours of your life that you'll never get back, uh, go on to Netflix and watch. It's, it's, it's not a great movie, but it's pretty accurate to the biblical story. So let me just walk through the Samson story with you, birth, marriage to Delilah. 
His birth story in the 13th chapter is similar to other miraculous birth stories that we read about in the Bible because his parents were unable to have a child. And his mother, who is unnamed in the story, uh, is out in the field and an angel of the Lord appears to her and announces to her that she's going to have a baby. She goes running back to her husband and says, this is what happened. This man spoke to me. I, I don't know who he is. I don't know where he came from. And so Manoah, uh, Samson's father, says, well, if he shows up again, come get me. Well, she's back out in the field a little bit later. The angel of the Lord shows up again. She runs and gets her husband. He comes back and says, are you the one who spoke to my wife? And there's this interesting interchange between them. She was seen as barren, childless, unable to have a baby. But she has a baby. Now, we see other miraculous birth stories in the Bible. Think about Abraham and Sarah having Isaac. Shouldn't have happened, but it did. Think about in the New Testament, Elizabeth and Zacchaeus, Zachariah rather, having John the Baptist. It shouldn't happen, but it did. Think about Mary being made with child through the miracle of the Holy Spirit. There are miracle stories in the Bible. This is another one of those miracle birth stories. We see that Samson is born, and then it says, the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Then the story jumps forward a good number of years to the period of his marriage. Samson lived in a time when marriages were arranged. It's not that you met someone and fell in love, and you got married and lived happily ever after. In many cases, the parents married off their children to one another to form sometimes political, sometimes economic alliances, but rare was the wedding that was not arranged. At some point, Samson, as a young adult, was traveling and he went to a city called Timnah. It is a city that is being led and ruled over, as was the entire region at that time, by the Philistines, and he saw a woman who caught his eye. Men know what I'm talking about. It's not the first look, it's the second look. It's when you... This woman, who again is unnamed, got the second look, maybe the third look. So he goes back to his home and asks his parents to arrange the wedding. I've found a woman that I want to marry. And they kind of wring their hands and say, could you not find somebody in your own tribe? Could you not stick with our own people? And he basically says, look, this is the girl for me. So later in the story, they're traveling to go see her for his parents to meet them. And, and Samson and his parents are separated. And Samson is walking along when a lion comes out of the brush to attack him. It says the Spirit of the Lord stirred him mightily, and Samson, kind of like clay up here, grabs the lion and tears it apart with his bare hands. He meets back up with his parents, doesn't say anything to them about it. Scratch your head over that one. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. They go and they are arranging the marriage, and it's a kind of a back and forth kind of a thing. When Samson goes to um, actually have the wedding feast itself. It's a multi-day affair, and 30 bridegrooms uh, are, are uh, men are assigned to the bridegroom to attend him, and they're Philistines. He is an Israelite. They get into this kind of back and forth thing with one another and say, look, 
I'm going to tell you, Samson says, I'm going to tell you a riddle. And if you can figure it out before the feast is over, I'll give you 30 sets of clothes. Clothing was a valuable commodity in that day. And they say, okay, and if, if we do get the riddle, then you have to give us 30 sets of clothes. So they've got this competition going on. They can't figure it out. And so they go to his betrothed and say, get him to tell you the riddle and you tell us or we're going we're gonna to make it really bad for you. So she goes to Samson and cries on him and says, you haven't even told me the answer to the riddle. And, and Samson basically says, here's the deal. This is the story. So she tells them the day of the wedding, these 30 men come to him and they have broken the riddle. And Samson is furious that they have forced his wife to let his secret out. So they say, you owe us 30 sets of clothes. So Samson goes to another city, Ashkelon, beats up 30 men. Samson was a, was a mean dude. Don't mess with Samson. Takes their clothes off of them and goes back and gives them to, the, to these men, and then he leaves. Story says that sometime later, he went to visit his wife. Now, this was an interesting kind of an arrangement of marriage. It's, it would not work for me. So he goes back home and lives with his parents and then decides he wants to go and visit his wife. And he goes to visit his wife, and he's going to go to her room, which is still in her father's house. And her father said, whoa, 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 where do you think you're going? He said, well, I'm going to go see my wife. And he said, hey, pal. And this is a paraphrase according to Chuck. Hey, pal. You didn't stick around, so we gave her to the best man. Samson said, you did what? He said, I've got a younger daughter. You want her? And Samson says, no, I've got other things in mind. And he goes out and he catches 300 foxes, ties them tail to tail and lights torches and turns them loose in the field, and they destroy the crops of the Philistines. The Philistines are furious. They kill his supposed father-in-law and his supposed wife. Samson is not very happy about this. This is during that period of, or, or during this period of time is, is when the aria that Clay sang would have taken place where Samson is going back and forth between his own village of Israelites and the Philistines and he's trying to encourage the Philistines to place their hope, place their faith, place their trust in God. He knows the Philistines are after him, so he goes into a cave and he's hiding, and, and the Philistines go to the people of Judah and say, you get Samson for us, or we're going to destroy your villages. So the men of Judah go out, and they get Samson. I need a prop at this stage of the game. So the men of Judah go out, and they talk to Samson, and they say, look, we're going to turn you over to the Philistines, and everything's going to be fine. They bind Samson's hands. Samson gets pretty hot. The men of Judah take off, and Samson picks up how many pastors do you know that actually own the jawbone of a donkey? <laughs> Samson picks up the jawbone of a donkey, and with this, not this is not the actual one, but with it kills 1,000 of the Philistines. I told you, Samson was a bad, bad dude. And the story jumps ahead 20 years. Remember how I said we tend to think that it, this all just spans forward? But it really does not. 
it jumps ahead 20 years to the story of Delilah. Samson meets Delilah and is head over heels in love. Samson has this brute strength that enables him to do things like kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. In another instance, he breaks down the city gates. Suddenly, the strength of the Lord will come upon him. There's actually scientifically proven a phenomenon that is called hysterical strength. You've heard about these stories from time to time. This is actually a a newspaper picture of a woman from our region. In 1982, Angela Cavello lifted a car off her son. This is she and her son and a neighbor child. He was working on a car in their driveway and the jack collapsed and fell on him. And Angela experienced what we would call hysterical strength and went out and actually lifted the car off of him for him to be able to get out of it. This may be what was going on with Samson as he's killing people with the jawbone of a donkey, as he's beating up 30 men, as he is tearing down city gates. He's known for his strength, and it's his strength that gets him in trouble when he meets up with Delilah. The Philistines go to Delilah, and they say, we will pay you a serious chunk of change if you will find out the secret of his strength. Three times, Delilah says, tell me what it is. Tie me with bowstrings. He snaps them. Tell me what it is. Do you use a new rope that has just been woven? I cannot break it. She ties him with that. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He snaps it. Tell me what it is. Three times she appeals to him to reveal the secret of his strength. Samson may be strong, but he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. You would begin to think that he would catch on, but he doesn't catch on. So finally he says, I've been a Nazarite since before I was born. My hair is shaved off. I will lose my strength. He falls asleep. They cut off his hair. Delilah says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he jumps up thinking that he's got this hysterical strength that he can take over. But he discovers that's not the case. And they capture him. They subdue him. They gouge out his eyes. And they put him in prison. His life ends. The German philosopher George William Friedrich Hegel once said, and this is another paraphrase according to Chuck, the only thing we have learned from history is that we haven't learned anything from history. I think Hegel must have written this after reading the Samson story. The guy just couldn't get out of his own way. His confidence in his own strength was his weakness. He forgot that God had called him, that God told his mother that she must follow certain vows and that the child, Samson, would be a Nazarite throughout his life. The Nazarite vow was pretty simple. There were three things. One, you did not drink any wine. If you read the Samson story, you know that he didn't stick to that. Two, you would have no contact ever with a dead body. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to kill a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey and not come into contact with a dead body. He broke that one. And three, his hair would never be cut. 
Obviously, I'm not Samson. It, despite his flaws, despite his inability to follow what God told him to do, God used Samson. In fact, he is identified in the book of Judges four times as one in whom the Spirit worked uniquely. If you read about all the Judges through the book of Judges, you will discover that Samson is the one in whom the Spirit worked more than anyone else. But the telling verse in the Samson story is verse 20. After his hair has been cut off, it says he did not know that the Lord had left him. Every time I've read the Samson story, every time I've worked on this story uh, in preparation for this message, that's kind of been the verse that whacked me between the eyes with the jawbone of a donkey. And I found myself wondering, how do we keep the Lord from leaving us? Three simple things, I think. One, like Samson, we need to know our gifts, but we need to know that our gifts are from God and not from ourselves. Whatever you are good at, don't think you're good at it because of yourself. You're good at it because God has given you the capacity to be good at it. Secondly, all of us have blind spots. They're not just in our cars, they're in our, they are in our lives as well. With Samson, his blind spots were women. The story of Samson begins with his weakness for women, and it ends with his weakness for women. We need to know what our blind spots are, whatever they are, and avoid them. Lib, Lib and I can't remember what the genesis of this was, but there was some television commercial that we saw years ago. The tagline was, Bubba, don't you do it. And I believe Samson should have had somebody standing around him saying, Bubba, don't you do it. And all of us need to know what our blind spots are and don't you do it. And finally, the way we keep the Lord from leaving us is to do what Samson finally did at the end of his life, and that is to deepen your prayer life. There are three ways that you deepen your prayer life. One is just pray. You know, if you, if you want to um, run, you get better at being a runner by running. If you want to be a cyclist, you get better at cycling by cycling. If you want to play tennis, golf, whatever it is, you get better at something by practicing it with regularity. If you can't make the turn at that point, then what you do is you read the Psalms. You know, the Psalms are the book of prayer of the Bible. David wrote these Psalms, some of them as songs, but certainly some of them as prayers as well. And if you are having a hard time knowing how to pray, just thumb your way through the book of Psalms. I promise you, there is a prayer in the book of Psalms that will give voice to what's going on in your life. And if push comes to shove and you feel like you want to or you need to take it to another level, then you need to read about prayer. I went down uh, the hall from the church offices this week and went into the church library and snapped this picture. This is the section in the church library, which is open Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. It's open on Sunday morning. This is the section in the church library about prayer. There are just a few books there that can help you learn how to grow in your prayer life. 
Strength won't get you into heaven, folks. Talents and abilities won't get you into heaven, folks. A big fat bank account won't get you into heaven, friends. The jawbone of a donkey won't get you into heaven. The only thing that will get you into heaven is your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. As these parents earlier today professed their faith in Jesus and trusted their children eternal destiny to Jesus. So you and I are called to trust our eternal destiny to Jesus. Remember that Samson, the end of his life, turned back to God in prayer. Let's not wait till we're cramming for finals to turn to God in prayer, but root our lives in it at all times. Let's pray together. God of strength, God of spirit, you who have breathed the breath of life into us, may you stir us to great faith as you stirred Samson to great deeds. May we be devoted to you as you are devoted to us. May your spirit work in us and claim us and fill us and honor us in all that we do so that we may honor you with our lives. Through Christ our Lord we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.